Hey everybody, Clinton Robinson here with a quick peek behind the curtain. This episode kind of had a little bit of a technical snafu, as in my internet decided to die mid-conversation, quite literally mid-sentence. So we have employed the best of the Longbox Crusade technicians to splice this back together, and this is the result. With any luck, it will sound okay. If not, I'm sorry, but... Do please go with it. The conversation is well worth it. The Longbox Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. Just hanging out in the basement, trying to pass the time. As everybody knows, I'm just stuck down in the LBC basement. And now the door is honestly locked, not just stuck. Pretty sure everybody's double-crossing me after they visit. Wait, wait, wait. Is that the door? Man, I love it when I get a chance to sneak away in the basement and count all my mint inbox skystrikers that Jason will never know I have down here. <laughs> what, what the what? Is that a giant rat? No, it's uh, just me. Oh. I thought Delvin told you guys I was down here. Uh, no, but uh, now I know why he made us change the locks. <sighs> Explains a lot. Well, uh, while you're down here, uh, you want to talk about an online fan film? Here you played a lot of Nintendo games back in the day, so I know a perfect one for you. Oh, really? Well, hang on, hang on. Count these guy strikers. 18, <laughs> 19, 20. I'm just going to keep counting while you do things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do that. 22, 23. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to an all-new, somewhat different episode of Fan Film Fridays here on the Longbox Crusade Network. This time around, I have one of the founders of the LBC. The yard sale artist himself, Jared Albright. Jared, how familiar are you with uh, fan films? 64, 65. Oh, uh, I, uh, pretty familiar. Um, just sort of the bigger name ones that I've heard of. Like, I know your premiere episode was Batman Dead End. I remember watching that back in the day. Um, but not as familiar as I'd like to be. Ever since you've started this crusade, if you will, for fan films, it's really kind of sparked my interest and I've been following along and, and it's a pretty neat little niche to get into and, and I'm glad that you've uh, re-sparked the love, man. Oh, good. good. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying. Uh, and I'm sure even though longtime listeners to this network already know, uh, how familiar are you with classic video games? Oh, sit back and let me tell you a tale. You should have a mental image of me like, like Quint on Jaws when he goes to tell his tale of the USS Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm all drunk and grizzled. Oh, my uh, my affiliation with classic video games is legendary, my friend. Oh, I grew up in the Nintendo age. I suppose the Nintendo kind of hit big in gosh, right around 1987. And I was at that sweet, sweet spot of being about 11 or 12 years old. So before that, I dabbled in some Atari and all that jazz. But when Nintendo blew up, I was all over it, man. I have been a gamer since then. Love video games. Love classic games. Part of my name is the Yard Sale Artist. And that's really where it all started, to be honest with you. Not so much the art side, but the yard sale hunt for classic video games. And the main thing that I've been trying to collect is an entire collection of the old 8-bit original Nintendo games. I'm not going to remember the specific number off the top of my head, but I want to say there's about 750-ish. I could be off by 100 or more, don't judge me, uh, games for the original Nintendo. And so far, I've managed to find about 450 of them. That's how many I have in my collection now via yard sale acquisition. I love old games. I play old games. I collect old games. I mean, what more do you need to know, man? You are old games. Oh, wait, no, no, no. That, <laughs> I am. That, that doesn't work. So of those games, uh, I'm sure you know a little bit about the Legend of Zelda series. Oh, yes. Good, good. <laughs> One of my very, very favorite series. Yes, sir, I do know a bit about it. Okay, well, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about it? Never. <laughs> All right, listeners, if you aren't familiar with the Legend of Zelda video game series, first of all, I don't know why you're here, but welcome. <laughs> Make yourself at home. But the original Le- legend? That's not a word. I'll try it again. The original Legend of Zelda first came out in Japan on February 21st, 1986. And I think it came to the United States in August of 1987. Of course, I was living in Germany at the time, so I didn't really lay eyes on it until about 88, probably later in 88, too. We were getting that trickle in of technologies that came from the States. And it was just a wonder to behold man. It came in a gold cartridge where all the other cartridges were gray and it was like, what is this? This this top-down view of, of a game that had a game style that no one had ever seen before. It was all about finding things and secrets and then acquiring items that let you get to other areas you couldn't get to before, which then expanded the universe even more. It's a very rewarding game because, you know, you put the effort into finding this item so that now, you know, now I've got the little ladder I can cross the river that now I can get to this, which lets me get to that and it's just a, a very very well done kind of rpg it's not turn-based because a lot of people think rpg think turn-based if you're a nerd like me but it's more of an action game but with rpg elements of collecting developing your character making them stronger along the way getting more heart containers lets you have more health i mean i could go on and on but that's the essence of Legend of Zelda. And I love it. It all started with the original Zelda. I've beaten every Legend of Zelda game ever made, with the exception of the three very oddball games that came out on the Philips CDI. Most people don't even know they exist, unless you're a hardcore video game person. They're very, very weird. They're made with Russian animation. I'll say that again. They're made with <laughs> Russian animation. Great! I can't wait to bomb some Dodongos! For the CD-based system, the Philips CDI, and they're very hard to come by because the CDI didn't sell very well. So I don't even own a CDI. It's one of the few video game systems I don't own. I found just about every oddball system you can think of via my yard sale adventures of the last 20 years or so. But I've never laid hands on a CDI. Maybe someday. Maybe You know what? Maybe I should start com- campaigning for a CDI the way Jason campaigns for a Skystrike. <laughs> <laughs> so in other words, you'll never get one. Yeah, I know. It's the saddest story. <laughs> Well, I have seen gameplay of those CDI games, and I'll testify to everybody. 
They're crap. Yeah, they're they're supposedly very very bad games. Um, you can go watch videos on them while you're doing your your fan films on YouTube. You know, drive by and take a look at the Legend of Zelda Philips CDI games, and they are very bizarre. They're <laughs> nowhere near the league of all the other games. Of which, if I didn't mention this before, I've beaten them all. I don't know if I was clear on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, all the way up to the, the latest one, which was uh, what Breath of the Wild. That was incredible game, man. What you haven't. You haven't, like, started in on Link's Awakening, the remake? Tell me more about this. <laughs> it's on uh, Nintendo Switch. Oh. They, up, you know, they updated the graphics, remade some of right. the dungeons. Right, Okay, See, yes. That? You've got a Christmas present coming, don't I you? I guess so. I, you know, that's something I wouldn't say no to. But, you know, over the years, like, they've remastered, like, Ocarina of Time, or Ocarina of Time, however you pronounce it. Um, I... I'd play them again, but I haven't, I don't tend to go back and replay them. I will tell you that I've replayed the first one on the original Nintendo. I probably played that one through three or four times. Uh, other than that, I, I tend to just play them once and then and let them go. You know, like a, <laughs> a lovely moment. Like they're almost like a marriage that, that I've completed and now I move on to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to flip the script, uh, even though the script is not up because my phone just went to sleep. Oh, no. I'm going to flip the script on you. It sounds like you're familiar with the series. Do you have a favorite Zelda game? Well, unlike you, I have not played them all, and I certainly have not beaten them all. Gasp. Uh, it's hard to choose a favorite, though. That That's like picking a favorite child. Actually, that's harder than picking a favorite child. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I tell everybody my cat's my favorite child. But, oh, yeah. I got you. Oh, man. Um, probably like you, I'd say the one I've played the most is the original, if not um, A Link to the Past. No, I, I, I've played the original I had to have. You know, the weird thing for me about A Link to the Past is that would be the only one that I played out of order because I didn't have a Super Nintendo for a long time. I played uh, one and two of my Nintendo, and then I rediscovered the love for Zelda with Ocarina when it came out on the N64. And, and then I was like, you know what? I never did beat A Link to the Past. So I fired it up and uh, beat that one a little out of order. But the good part about that is I beat it later in life, so I have a better memory of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I love them. By the way, Majora's Mask is my favorite. Nobody asked me, but there you have it. <laughs> oh, look at you picking the oddball. I just love it. I love the game mechanic, I guess you will. The whole playing the same three days over and over again as you change the course of events, and I just think it's really, really clever and a lot of fun. <laughs> Alright, well now that we've pretty well established everything about the game, uh, you know, Especially since, you know, it's it's traditionally a more of a fantasy setting with swords and magic and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you think, though, if we kind of, as you said, flipped the script and changed things up to make it more like a spaghetti western? What? That's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> you say that. But that's what we get to find out today on the fan film Hang 'em High Rule. Hang'em High Rule was posted to YouTube back in August of 2015. It's produced by Beatdown Boogie, who I mostly knew as making some incredible convention videos, especially of Dragon Con. Hey! Hey! You've been to Dragon Con! I have been to Dragon Con the last three years in a row, and I hope they extend my invitation again for the next one. I hope so, too. Beatdown Boogie is also, you know, the person slash people, because I'm not sure if it's just one guy behind this account. But uh, Beatdown Boogie is the account that also had up the Kung Fu Avengers mashup film that circulated through social media channels several years ago. 
As of this recording, Hang'em Hyrule has over 405,000 views, so a decent amount of exposure, but honestly less than I would have thought, given the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Writer and director are Micah Moore, music by Chris Hearns, the film stars Brian Lee as Link, Caitlin Dickens as Zelda, and Matthew Sumner as Ganondorf. It's filmed on location at Shadow Western Town in North Carolina, so I'm not sure how far that is away from Delphin, but couldn't be <laughs> too hard to find, surely. Yeah, man. That, that's, uh, that was a cool... I know we'll get into it, but what a cool setting. You picked a really great location. Yep. So, clocking in at 7 minutes and 13 seconds, that's including all the credits, folks, I highly encourage everybody to check out the show notes, go online, watch this film before we dive into our synopsis. Not just because we will spoil everything, because we totally will, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also it just makes things more fun while we do. So, you know, take a few minutes, come right back, we'll wait. because spoiler alert it's really good all right everybody good all right let's dive back in so our film opens on zelda as she strides into a small western town she plays an ocarina calling out ganondorf from the local saloon the two square off in the street as we are treated to a flashback of link and ganondorf fighting in the street ganondorf gets the better of link and ends up hanging the young hero from a tree and leaves him there to die Returning to the present, Zelda draws her gun faster and unloads all six shots into Ganondorf. The villain is down, but not out as he slowly climbs to his feet. Zelda is out of ammo, but stepping from the alleyway behind Ganondorf is Link, who draws his own gun. Another flashback shows us that Zelda managed to cut Link down moments before his death. The camera shows us the rope burns on Link's neck, and Link fires a single shot straight into Ganondorf's head. The villain dies in the street, and our heroes stride out of town in search of more adventure. And that is Hang'em Hyrule. So, Jared, uh, not that you haven't said it already, but what'd you think of this? I actually didn't watch it. Kind of figured. Mm. Well, thanks for the, having me on Fans on Friday. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll so see. now I'm going to open one of those Sky Strikers. No, don't open the Sky Strikers. <laughs> They're bitten box for a reason. Okay, how did I like it? I didn't just like it. I loved it. This thing is fantastic. The heart and soul that was put into this is wonderful. The The creators obviously have a love of the subject matter of Legend of Zelda. They translated it amazingly well into the Western format. Uh, I, I'm really glad that you sent me this because peek behind the curtain. When I first started bitching to Clinton about how he wouldn't have me on the show, he asked me, well, what are you interested in? And I sent him a list of, I don't know, it was like 60 things. <laughs> <laughs> I like and, and all of individual little text too. Like 
it was like 60 individual texts and things that I'm interested in. I think Bond was on there about five times. Yeah, though. I think I did put Bond on there a few times. And then one of the things I put on there, obviously, was Legend of Zelda. Because Legend of Zelda, Castlevania, and the Tomb Raider series are my big three video game series that I just love. And he responded, hey, have you ever seen this? And I'm like, no. And man, I'm so glad that you selected that short for me because it's fantastic. I think that satisfies the question that you had of how did I like <laughs> yeah i would definitely agree it is absolutely wonderful so uh you know as you know i kind of stole the highs lows and watts from all you guys you know mm-hmm. every so often i hear something worth hearing upstairs <laughs> it's usually delva just snoring <laughs> <laughs> So, do you have any specific highs? Yes, I do. I have numerous highs. Would you like to ping pong this, or do you want me to just give you my list? <laughs> uh, you can rattle them off. That's fine. Okay. Well, first of all, I think I already mentioned location. They found a great old western town. It's probably some sort of a small tourist attraction there in North Carolina. Great backdrop. Okay. So that's step one of my multi-step highs process. <laughs> Step two, costuming was incredible. Costumes are great. They're high detail, high quality. You could probably film a live action, big screen movie with these costumes and, and totally get away with it. Number three, the props. Look at those guns, man. Those guns were legit. Whoever made those did an incredible job. I don't know if they had, I think, am I seeing in the credits some kind of a prop maker or something like that, that they got it from? I don't remember, but whoever did it, good on you. And to go hand in hand with that, the attention to detail. Each gun has like a symbol of the Triforce, you know, how there's like power and wisdom and courage. I might have made that up. You'd think after all the games I'd be like, I could remember. <laughs> no, I just know right. I need all three pieces. Don't judge me for forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're correct. Okay. And they're like, they're like on the holster and, and like, or, or on the handle of the gun. Like the detail is phenomenal. Okay. So those are, those are highs right there from your location to your costumes to your weapons, right? So all the physical things that are present are fantastic. I'm going to go on now with more things I like, unless you want to jump in on the physical <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, you keep pretty much saying everything that I want to say. So you keep rolling. All right. I'll keep running my mouth. Okay. So the next thing, the actors are great. Right. They made a choice, and you I think you may have a, a note about this later, so I'll just touch on it right now and say there's, there is no dialogue. It's all just physical act, and I think that was a great choice. And we can get into the whys of that later on, because I think I see it in the script. But it's all physical acting, and they all do an outstanding job on it. There's no point. You watch a lot of fan films, and sometimes you can see the, the I call it the wobble. You know, the, I don't really have the confidence to pull this off, but you can just kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Never shows up in this film. Every scene is legit. All the actors are committed to the part. So now you've got really good acting with all the other stuff I gave you before. I got two more super highs. Camera work. The, the shots that they set up from the way they put the weapons in the foreground to the to what's going on in the faded out background effects. The camera work is incredible. Somebody has paid attention to a lot of well-made films, obviously to some Sergio Leone films from the Clint Eastwood Man With No Name trilogy because they brought in all the elements of that and mixed it with Zelda perfectly, which brings me to my very last high, and then I'll let you talk for a minute, is you mentioned his name, so let me go back and give him credit. Scrolling, scrolling his name was truncate silence there it is his name was chris hearns who did the music for the film wow just wow i would have sworn they lifted this music directly from the clint eastwood western and then when you realize that it has that absolute perfect flavor and it's playing the legend of zelda theme song wow also the storytelling is really good i'm gonna stop now uh- <laughs> 
it's seven minutes of bliss for a Zelda fan or even a Western fan. But if you have that Venn diagram of both, do not miss this fan film. Go watch it right now. Back to you, Clint. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with everything. The camera work was not on my list, though. I'm glad you brought that up. Mm. And I don't know why I missed that, but yeah. Well, now you have a whole new reason to go watch it again and see, like, how they, like I said, they put the weapons in the foregrounds a lot. Mm -hmm. Just the things that are in focus versus out of focus are very deliberate. If not, they just got super lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, this is one of those things, it's hard to watch it and not be entertained. And I don't mean just once. I mean, like, you could watch this thing ten times a day and still find something new to, Mm -hmm. to just sit there and focus on. Yeah, I would love to look in to see if this guy, Chris Hearns, has made his music available, because I would be more than happy to to throw some shekels down to download his score that he wrote. Hey, editing note, just breaking in here real fast. Yes, Chris Hearn does have his music available online. He is able to be found at www.chrishearn.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-H-U-R-N. And no, he is not sponsoring this. We just really think that he deserves all the praise he can get. That's right! Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we've sat there and sang its praises, uh, do you have any lows on this? <laughs> Not really. Uh, yeah. I just want more. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, my lows, same thing. It's like, I really, you know, this goes to a later question, but I, I would watch a movie, a series. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, I'd be so excited about that that my mic might sound clearer at this point. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know how well I'm going to splice the audio together, but hey, you know, we had all kinds of fun <laughs> with my internet crapping out and Jared's mic not being the right mic. Yeah, we, there, there's a lot that happened in, during that last question. <laughs> but Maybe I will. I will. In the basement. That, that's, that's my thought now. The damn they're basement rats. got us again. <laughs> Those sky strikers. Uh, but I will I will piggyback and, and say that I could totally see them doing a Western version Legend of Zelda like Stranger Things style six episode series for Netflix, man. I would watch it. Uh I think these guys should be involved in the production of it. I think it'd be fantastic. So fantastic, man, that my mic sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is like a combo high and low. Like the actors all look perfect for their parts. Yes. Uh, the makeup, the prosthetics for the ears, all that looks so well done. I thought those were the real ears. <laughs> <laughs> the only technical low, mm-hmm. if you want to be picky, is, you know, Ganondorf is played by this kind of pale white dude. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, in the games, he's definitely very dark skinned. Yeah. Oftentimes with a great tone, sometimes he looks like a pig. Sometimes he looks like uh, a bastardized version of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time, I would take this dude over, like, them just, like, half-assing the paint for somebody's face, Mm -hmm. especially if it came off looking kind of racist, you know? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, I'm really glad they made the choice that they did. I think even when it's your first time through the film, when I first looked, I was like, is this guy... Ganon, and then about two minutes later, I'm like, oh yeah, he's definitely Ganon. I get what they're doing. (laughs) If they were to do anything with it, effects-wise, I would go with a digital effect and and then make his his skin tone that grayish skin tone, because then you don't have to worry about paint being uneven or getting on the clothes. 
or or anything like that. I would do it more of a digital look, and and I don't think that would really with a, with a with the bizarre gray skin tone. I, I think you'd be relatively safe from racists because uh, the gray people are generally pretty chill. <laughs> And plus, you know, this way, you know, keep, keeping him with like a just regular, his own flesh tone, mm-hmm. uh, that way they could zoom in and do the little sweat beat effect that they. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely some good reasons to keep it that way. And if they did, like I said, a six episode Netflix series, I think I'd want them in regular tone. I think it, it lends, this is going to sound silly when you're talking about Zelda plus, you know, spaghetti Western, but it ends, <laughs> lends a reality to it that you yeah. kind of want. It doesn't distract you from going, do I like this effect? Do I not like this effect? It's just, okay, it's played by a person. I got it. And Netflix executives, we don't want a cut of this. We just want to be entertained. So, you know, while you're listening, because, mm-hmm. you know, Netflix executives always listen to my shows. Mm-hmm. We get feedback from them. Yep. Like, don't mention us on your shows anymore. <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to be associated with basement dwellers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so do you have any what-thes out of this? Not really. The only, this might fall under what-the, if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds cool, I want to watch it, I play these games with my kids, watch it first yourself, because it is a little violent. Definitely violent, yeah. There is some actual, well, actual blood, but it's Hollywood blood, but you know what I'm saying, there is blood on the screen. There is a guy getting shot directly in the head. I mean, it's not like RoboCop splatter, but it's uh, still, (laughs) if you're a parent who's just at all sensitive to violence for what your kids see, watch it first. Yeah, and like, well, the rope burns on Link's neck. Mm -hmm. Those look very well done. You see him hanging, like dangling. Oh, yeah. Did you see his face? Yeah. That dude is actually hanging up there because that face goes red. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they they committed to the part, man. Mm. My only what the, as far as like story and stuff is concerned, is like when Zelda shoots him down out of the tree and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Ganon has turned and walked away for like maybe two seconds. <laughs> he had things to do. <laughs> you know, it's like he's just kind of like, oh, a gunshot. I hear those all the time. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Well, I mean, he had extra coin in his pocket. He was distracted by what he was going to go buy because he had robbed Link after he hung him in the tree. But yes, and I will say this as well. Here's a plug for another show you can watch on Netflix, even though they asked us to stop referring to them by name in our podcast. <laughs> uh, there's a show called Hollywood Weapons, I believe. Really cool show where they take scenes, famous scenes from Hollywood movies and re- reenact them with real weapons. A, a former U.S. military special forces guy is the host and he's a hoot. And they see if it can be really done. Or is it just Hollywood magic or can you really do it? So like, think about things like Die Hard, where he jumps with the hose and then he like shoots the gun to bust the window so he can get in before the helicopter crashes down on him. Like, could you really do that? Could you swing into a a window while you're shooting it and bust the glass open? So it's really cool stuff like that. And they did an episode uh, based off the Clint Eastwood films, good, the bad and the ugly. Can you shoot somebody down from a noose? Cause that's kind of the hook of that movie is that Clint Eastwood, they kind of run a scam where a guy gets hung and then Clint Eastwood shoots him down and saves him at the last minute. And they kind of keep selling that guy back again and again for the bounty. Mm-hmm. And they tested that. Can you actually shoot someone down, uh, sh- shoot the rope to cut somebody down while they're hanging with a, with a rifle? 
and it's pretty impossible. You have to have like extreme tension on the rifle and an extremely large bullet to even get close, and it's pretty impossible. But you know what? I'm willing to suspend that disbelief in my <laughs> Legend of Zelda Western <laughs> films. So are you asking, like, if I can do that or if, you know, the average human can do that? Right. I mean, I believe you could do it. Well, you know. I got a rope right here. (laughs) Hey, Pat, come down here. We want to try something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So since this is a movie completely without dialogue. I mean, obviously, I know the answer because we've been gushing about it. But how well did you think the story translated? Was there any chance at all there was any confusion of what was going on? Not at all, unless you count the intended confusion. There's a certain amount of intended. You know what I mean by that? Certain amount of like when you're first watching it, I think the filmmakers want you to wonder what's the backstory. And they tell the whole backstory. They tell the action beat. They do it all dialogue free. They lead you through the story in a very fantastic way. And as I mentioned earlier in the show, I would come back to this. I think it's a really smart choice because the danger you run when you make films with like your friends <laughs> who aren't necessarily actors is some people struggle with delivering dialogue in a credible way. And now you didn't really have to do that. Now they still had to be physical actors. So I'm not, I, I don't know how they act when they do dialogue. They're great physical actors. They did a wonderful job in this film. And I think they just closed any gap you might have from a fan film. That's your danger zone right there is your actors in your fan film. <laughs> and they closed that gap in a super clever way by not using any dialogue. And you didn't need it. It's wonderful. Oh, I mean, that that pretty much says it all to me, folks. If, if Jared Albert, the yard sale artist, mm. can sit here and sing praises over a seven-minute film. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that really does, like, pretty much sum it up for me. Do you have anything else to say on it? No, man, I just, I'll reiterate it. If you like Zelda and you like Westerns or you just like filmmaking, like you're an amateur filmmaker out there and you want to be inspired and see it done right, then go watch Hang Em Hyrule. It's absolutely worth seven minutes of your time. And like my buddy Clinton said, I think it's something you're going to find yourself going back to to watch multiple times. I don't think you'll be like, I watched it because of the podcast and it was cool and time to move on. I think you will revisit it because it's that good. Yeah, and if it's uh, your second or third viewing, take into consideration that it was made for reportedly about 3000 bucks. That must have been all in the costumes, man. Because <laughs> they looked good. That guy who they got to play Link looked like Link. I mean, as much as you can translate him from a video game. Yeah, and the you guy, know, by com- Zelda, she was gorgeous and and believable. I mean, this is great. <laughs> yeah, and by comparison, uh, Batman Dead End was done for about ten grand. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, they really stretched their money, and I think finding that really great location was probably a key. Having the great costuming and the rest is just, man, the music. I could go on and on. <laughs> I, I suspect if they spent a lot of money, it probably went to costuming and music. Yep. Because they, they really do shine. All righty. So, I mean, it, it's a recommended from both of us very highly. Definitely. I don't, yeah. I don't know how you could go wrong with watching this. And if nothing else, it is seven minutes of your life, people. <laughs> and, yes. And it will make you so thankful for the other hour that you've spent listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. We did take a lot longer than the film itself. <laughs> Go watch it. Uh, 
All right. So that pretty well sums it up. So, Jared, uh, now that you're down here, does mm-hmm. that mean like uh, this time I'm really going to get like free reign of everything? You know, I can go upstairs and get some cookies, something. Yes. Yes. We'll go with yes. I am certain that I can make that happen. Did you hear that? It, it sounds like an ocar. Oh my god! We're playing that ocarina! <sighs> he left me, folks. Jared Albrick, yard sale promiser of nothing. <laughs> Alright, so, Jared left me. I'm sure by now he's like double and triple bolted those doors. So, we'll just do a little promo here and I'll come back with some listener feedback. <laughs> Monthly, monthly, monthly. It's Action Film Face-Off. Hello, I'm Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast I do with my brother, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. Action Film Face-Off. Yes, thank you, Jared. Action Film Face-Off is a podcast where my brother and I, who are both military combat vets... Jason was a Navy SEAL! Jason was not a Navy SEAL. Jason was a military intelligence wing. But anyway, in each episode of Action Film Face-Off, we select two different action films. Some of them have Chuck Norris! Technically speaking, none of them have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen because we use a randomizer set between 1970 and modern day to select our two films. So you'll always get two films, each from a different year. Our randomizer has spikes on it! We use a Google random number generator, so it does not have spikes on it. And we put the films into our Video Dome arena. It also has spikes. It does not have spikes. <laughs> but we discuss the films and score them through six different rounds of criteria. I score Bond films very high. Okay, that's true. But anyway, by the end of the episode, we crown one of the action films the champion of action film face-off. Next episode, Jason fights a bear. <laughs> Jason is not fighting a bear, but please give our show a listen. We're part of the Longbox Crusade Network of Shows. Pat Samson killed a man with a sword once. I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. But you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers under Longbox Crusade, or you can subscribe to just our show by searching for Action Film Face-Off. Come see the blood fly! And that's Action Film Face-Off. We do, indeed, invite you to come and see the blood fly. I just said that. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the basement. Thanks for sticking around. Just wanted to give some shout-outs to everybody who liked, shared, retweeted, and all that fun stuff our last episode. For a reminder, that last episode was Generation 1 Hero with our good pal Delvin the Dark Web Williams. So, everybody who did all that social media love includes Chris Stados, Delvin himself, The Hammer Strikes, Professor Frenzy, It's a Show. Actually, it's a whole line of shows, but anyway. Green Lantern HG, good friend of this network, Ryan Daly, Weasel Skull, Mike Rokotansky, I am never going to get good with that, so you might just get called Rocksteady from now on. Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, 
Ivan Chudley, Max Traver, Bradford William, Howell Jordan, Vandal Capslock, Ross Michaud, Laurel at Mountainflower One, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Let It Roll, Gene Hendricks, Mike Peacock, Al Sadano, Carowin, Warlord Worlds, and Derek William Crab. We got a lot of feedback on the last episode. Over on Twitter, Professor Frenzy says, Terrific episode. Sounds like this fan film would be a good introduction to Transformers. Good luck in the basement. Well, thanks, Jerry. Uh, you could have gotten me out of here, you know, but you kind of forgot to tell everybody. But, yeah, it would be a great introduction to Transformers. I hope people check it out. Weasel Skull said, I like this one. Bad news for Clinton, who has to go back in the basement and make another show. Well, it's a little limiting just living in one room, but somehow this basement is amazingly spacious at times, other times not, and I do enjoy making the show, so, you know, can't argue with that. Laurel says, Fun episode! I was never into fan films, but this show has been a good introduction. I'm curious how the makers of this one animated the characters' mouths. Is that type of detail usual? Keep up the good work, and I hope Longbox Crusade tosses some coffee into the basement for you. Well, I do make do, Laurel, so it gets down here one way or another. Pat's missing some stuff from his shipments to Mongo. Don't tell. As for how they animated the mouths, I'm not sure. I did post up a behind-the-scenes link on the Twitters, and... Apparently, it didn't really share much other than just people walking around in costume in front of cameras. But, you know, it was still fun. Green Lantern HG says, Another great episode. I think this is my new favorite film that you have covered. But kinda angry I can't find the sequel. And just when I was going to scream at Delvin, he used his Jedi mind tricks to keep you locked in. Way to go, Delvin. HG. Well, I can't argue with that. We, we gotta praise Delvin. Over on Facebook, Ivan Chedley said, Thank you, Clinton, for getting me back into the world of fan films, and I've been listening to a lot of fan-made audios as of late, mostly Doctor Who. But back to this one, I've just finished listening to the podcast, and I came to the same up and ups and downs as you and Delvin. And I did go looking for a part two with no luck as well. Keep up the great work, bub. To which Delvin replied, Right, what does Starscream do with the Matrix? See, we're all dying for this sequel. I don't care if it's years down the road, people. Make the sequel to Generation 1 Hero. We will all watch it, and it will definitely get some reviews. Back to Twitter, Ryan Daly said, Great episode, guys. I can listen to Delvin talk Transformers all day, and Clinton be stuck in a basement all day, too. Okay, thank you, Ryan. He also says, I watched most of this fan film. Very impressed. Alrighty, so that scene... Well, no, I take it back. There's one more. Derek William Crabb said, Thanks for sharing this. Never heard of the fan film before, and it was an interesting watch. I think I appreciated the location shoot in the beginning more than the green screen sets because those seemed to fly in the face of the practical look they were going for. The animated mouth flaps also felt out of place to me. I thought maybe they could have tried a Cybertronic spree look with makeup, paint on human jawlines as a more practical alternative. Thanks again to you and Devin Williams. Fun podcast and interesting topic of discussion. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Derek. Uh, if I'm 
remembering right, I didn't Google to confirm, but Cybertronic Spree is the Transformers cover band, is that right? Uh, get back in touch with us, Derek, just to make sure. Oh, uh, Tom Hendricks gave us some feedback from a couple episodes ago. By the way, Tom is not related to Gene. I was informed of that, so sorry for any confusion there. Tom says, a follow-up from your discussion about Tales of the Seventh Fleet podcast with Gene Hendricks about the Lost Episode Street Fight, and he posted a trailer that promises it will be out summer of 2020. So, there might just be some new-slash-old Tales of the Seventh Fleet coming our way. Hey, it's unseen, it's new to me, and I am definitely interested. And that will do it for our listener feedback this time. So, until next time, I'm still stuck in the basement, watching some fan films, waiting for some more guests to hopefully get me out of here. So, hopefully you can stick around too and be back for another Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone. You can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then... uh, That'll give you the strength to be persistent. Do you have music for this, or am I wasting my time? <laughs> no, I was thinking like I, normally I put in music, but um, <laughs> I'm probably going about keeping that. <laughs> I could see like them doing a Legend of Zelda Western series, you know, six episodes, Stranger Things like thing. Uh oh, did I lose you? Clinton? Clinton, did I lose you, bud? Clinton! Yeah, I'd say, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. This is going to be the outtakes. <laughs> oh. Sorry, I'll be quiet. I'll let you read Oh, you're, you're great. You're great. <clears throat>